Amen. Well, it sure is good to be here. Thank you, choir. Thank you for the beautiful music. Thank you for the special. And well, what a truer song could be sung. I'll tell you, there is none. People do need the Lord. And I'm, I'm glad for this mission revival that we can be here and, and um, glad to be a part of it. I hope you're praying about what God would have you to do and what he'd have you to give. I brought this up here with me just to remind you. Uh, our, my table's back here. And the Bowdoin table is out in the hallway, and be sure to go by and pick up literature. We have a radio station that you can, if you have internet access, we have a radio station. We would love for you to go on uh, line to MWBR Radio. We have an app for it, and you can uh, check it out. We'd appreciate that. And please, uh, please, please pray for us. Well, we're going to get into the message because it is right now 1144 somewhere in the world, which happens to be right here. So would you go with me in your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter number 12. The book of Exodus chapter number 12. I mentioned my fisherman's friend cough drops. If you get near me and I smell like a, an old dried worm, uh, it's my cough drop. Because I figured out for anything to taste and smell this bad, it's got to be a dried worm. And that's why they call it fisherman's friend. It tastes like that... Um, the worm was, ate, was eaten by the fish and then gave it back. But these are nasty cough drops, but they do a good job. Well, Exodus chapter number 12, it's the story of the, of the Passover, of the feast, and where all the Passover came about. And we're going to share with the thoughts, some thoughts with you tonight, uh, this morning. And remember, I went back and checked in the mirror. I still just got three hairs, so we're going to have three points again. And if anybody wants to loan me some then we'll have a whole bunch more. But I want to share three thoughts about uh, this morning about your lamb that we find in these verses of Scripture and hope it will be a blessing to you. And uh, God is good all the time. I'm glad that He is. So if you find your place, would you stand with me? Exodus chapter number 12. And the reason I talk a little bit, I usually talk a little longer um, when I, before I start preaching, but because of the time, I'm not going to take any more time to, to, just to talk, uh, ramble. But the reason I do it is I, when I get up here, I'm nervous as I can be. And, you, and I've been preaching for 46, 7 years now, and you say, what in the world you got to be nervous about? Well, if you were standing up here looking back at what I'm looking at, you'd be scared and nervous too. <laughs> Y'all are a rough-looking bunch. Good night. You look like a bunch of Daniels when the lions looked at him. Just kept their mouth shut. <laughs> Exodus chapter, and I have to take my glasses off to see. Exodus chapter number 12, look with me in verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of, of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take, it from, uh, take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall, take, or shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be... Without blemish, a male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you um, with uh, the thoughts that we have on our heart today about your lamb, I pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives, and I pray that you'll bless this mission revival. May it not just be a series of services and messages and songs, but Father, may truly we meet with God. May truly we have our hearts touched by the Holy Spirit of God with heaven's fire. And Father, we pray that you bless this church and thank you for the testimony they've had over these many years. But I pray that it will be greater than ever before as we see the day approaching, the Lord coming back. Help us to be found faithful 
doing what you'd have us to do. And we'll thank you and bless you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. This morning I'd like to share with you three words um, concerning the, the verses that we read to you today and hope it'll be a blessing to you. First of all, as we think about the Passover, I don't find any, any other place in the Old Testament that has a clearer, uh, more beautiful picture of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ and His death that we find in the story of the Passover. Of course, we know that God is fulfilling His promise that He made to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 15 as, as the people of God would be delivered from Egypt. He would bring them out and He would take them to a land flowing with milk and honey. And so God is fulfilling that wonderful promise and He's going to do that by means of the Passover. And so we, with that thought in mind as we think about the Lord Jesus and as we think about reaching the world with the gospel, just keep in mind that when we're talking about this Lamb, that the Lamb is the Lamb of God that God intends for the whole world to know. And so I hope this will be a, a blessing to your heart. And if you need the Lord as your Savior today, well, I hope, it, I hope God will speak to you today. Well, the first word I want to share with you is the word realization. The word realization. Now, what was it that the Jewish people in, Gen, in Exodus chapter number 12, what did God want them to understand? Now, you've got to remember that the people of God being in Egypt, they had been spared from nine judgments that God had put upon the Egyptians. When there was lice amongst the Egyptians, there were no lice amongst the children of Israel. When there was darkness with the Jews, there was, there was uh, excuse me, with the, children, uh, with the Egyptians, there was no darkness with the Jewish people. And on and on and on it went throughout these nine plagues. But something was going to change on this tenth judgment. Well, it's like today, when I think about America, we live in the greatest land. I, I don't know any, if you look back in history, I don't know any country, any nation that has been more blessed in the United States of America, we have been blessed uh, physically. We've been blessed militarily. We have been blessed financially. And, and you name it, we have been blessed. And we look at other countries and, and we see the poverty and we see all of the things that, that many people go through that we in America, we don't experience. And that is the way it is in life. It seems like there's almost an, equal, an inequality. Some people are rich and some are poor. Some are sick and some are healthy. That's seemingly the way life is. But when it comes to this 10th judgment, just as there was in the minds of the Egyptians an inequality between them and the Jewish people, in this plague, everybody was going to be the same. Nobody was going to be spared from the judgment that was coming, which was the judgment of death. Nobody was going to be spared. And so what, what God wanted these people to understand and, and realize is that they had to have a lamb in order to escape judgment. When you look in verse number 3, as a matter of fact, you'll find that a lamb is mentioned twice in that chapter. They had to understand because you've got to remember, the people of God, the Jewish people, had been in Egypt for 450 years. Even though they were the people of God, they went down there in the will of God as the people of God. All that they had heard for 450 years was the gods of the Egyptians. As a matter of fact, the judgments that God brought against Egypt was not just against the people of, of Egypt, but was against the gods of Egypt because God wanted everyone there, the Egyptians as well as the children of Israel, to understand that there is only one true and living God. Let me tell you how bad it was for the children of God. When Moses was being sent back into Egypt, 
He didn't even know God's name. He had to ask God, who am I going to say is sending me to you? And God had to tell Moses what his name was. They didn't know God like they needed to know God. And that is the way the world is today. Many, I would dare say that probably in the, under, under heaven and in every nation, somebody has probably heard the name of Jesus. Even amongst Muslims, they have heard the name of a Jesus. And the world knows about religion. Everybody's got a lamb. Everybody's got something or someone that they hold on to. But when I look in the Word of God, i got to tell you, we've got to understand, first of all, as a human down here, that even though there may be inequalities financially, physically, and ever otherwise, may I tell you today that we all need to understand, and this is what the world has got to understand, that they must have a lamb in order to escape judgment because there was nothing that in their own power that could stop death from coming to where they were. One of the things that we've seen in our travels around the world is that there is something common with every group of people, no matter what color, no matter what language, no matter what culture, no matter what location. The one thing that we all have in common is everybody dies. There's a cemetery everywhere they go. And so we've got to understand that there is a judgment that is coming, and I've got to have a sacrifice. I've got to have a substitute in order for me to escape that judgment. And so it is. If we're taking, if we're peddling, can I say it that way? If all we're doing is peddling religion to the world, they have enough. They don't need any more religion. They need a lamb. They've got to have a sacrifice that will pay the price for their sin. When I think about the world, you know, there's a man by the name of Muhammad that came into this world, and he wrote a book called the Koran, and there's a religion called Islam. When I think about Joseph Smith, who started a religion called Mormonism, and I think about Charles Taz Russell that started the Jehovah's Witness, and you go down the list of all of these different groups and different religions, can I tell you, not a single one of them would have died for any of them that followed them. But can I tell you this morning, there is one that was willing, and not only just willing, but gave his life and shed his precious blood for every single person that has ever been born in this world. So what the world has got to understand today, it's not if I want to, it's not an option. We all this morning got to have a lamb that would be the sacrifice for our sins. And so the children of Israel, they were in chapter number 12. Moses comes, he gets the word from God. He goes to the children of Israel and he said, you've got to go get a lamb because judgment is coming. Nobody's going to be spared. Judgment is coming. So the children of Israel would go out and they would go out and there was this multitude of sheep out there. And amongst all those sheep that were out there, they knew that there was a lamb. There was a lamb. And so there's a lot of religions out there. But can I tell you, there's a lamb somewhere. So number two, not only is there the realization that they had to have, number two is examination. My second word, examination. Because when you're looking out all amongst all them sheep out there, you say, hey, good grief, there's a lot of sheep. I'm going to get me a lamb, and I'm going I'm to take that lamb. Well, I want you to know that God gives in verse number five the qualifications that we find in order to have the right lamb. Because it's not enough to have a lamb. Because I believe everybody's got a lamb. I believe around Dalton, Georgia, you're going to find people that have never darkened the doors of the church, but they got a lamb. Their lamb is probably money or probably fun or, or entertainment. Their lamb may be sports. Their lamb may be a lot of things. But even in Dalton, Georgia, everybody's got a lamb. Everywhere you go, everybody got a lamb. 
But it's not enough to have a lamb. It's not, a, it's not enough to say, well, I trust this lamb. I'm putting my confidence in this lamb. This lamb means the world to me. It is not enough to have it. You've got to have the one that God said. You know what the problem with Cain and Abel? It wasn't that Cain didn't bring this wonderful, wonderful fruit. He didn't pick up a bunch of rotten fruit ready to be thrown away. I believe, I believe Cain brought the best that he had out of the garden. And you say, well, why didn't God accept it? It's because God didn't want that. It's not what God said. The reason that God accepted Abel's sacrifice and he rejected Cain's is because Abel did what God told him to do and Cain didn't, simple as that. And the reason that people die and go to hell is because people, they have not come the way God says come. What the lamb that they have is not the lamb that God said they've got to have. And so when you look down these verses of Scripture, verse number 3, two times he talks about a lamb. He wanted them to know they had to have a lamb. They had to have a lamb. They had to have a lamb. Young, old, rich, poor, no matter, you got to have a lamb. But then when you come down to verse number four, and if the household be too little for the lamb, the lamb, you go down to the end of the verse, make your account for the lamb. So they would go out into the flock and they'd be looking around at all these sheep. Good night, how am I going to find the right one? They're, and isn't that the way the devil's done? The do I believe the devil's masterpiece of everything the devil has ever done is to counterfeit religion. And you know what a counterfeit is? Counterfeit's a counterfeit. It's a fake. You cannot make a counterfeit the real thing. Impossible. And so they would go out there and they see all of these sheep out there, all these lambs. Well, how in the world? We know how they did it? Examination. I like the church of Berea. There are three churches in the book of Acts that are called the churches of Macedonia. Starts with Philippi. Then you go to Thessalonica. The last one is Berea. But I like what the Word of God talks about the people of Berea. He had just finished, Paul just finished preaching in Thessalonica. He goes down to Berea, the city of Berea, and here's what the Word of God says, that these people in Berea were more noble, not because they were richer, not because they were smarter, not because they were like me and Brother Bowden that were good looking, no, not that. You know why they were more noble than those in Thessalonica? They took God's book. Can I borrow your book? <laughs> they took... God's word. And they began to examine because Paul told them about a lamb. Well, how in the world I know that's the right lamb? I mean, there's a lot of lambs out there. There's a lot of lambs out there. Hey, the people of Berea took God's book with, with God's qualifications for the lamb. And they opened it up and the word of God tells me that they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. They weren't going to take a man's word for it just because he claimed to be a preacher. They weren't going to take a man's word for it just because he was preaching behind a pulpit. They searched the Scriptures. Can I tell you where? Hey, if I want to know what God says about having the right lamb, I better go to the book that God wrote that tells me about the lamb that He wants me to have. And so they searched all over, and they began to examine. They began to examine because of verse number 5. It tells me i got to have this kind of a lamb. And if I don't have that kind of lamb, God's going to reject me. I'm going to die. My household is going to suffer because I didn't do my part to have the right lamb. So examination. I like what John says, in, uh, John the Baptist said in John chapter number 1. He says it twice. When he saw Jesus coming, he lifted up his eyes and he, held, he beheld Jesus coming. And he said this, behold the lamb of God. I like what he said. He didn't say behold a lamb of God. If you, if you look in the Word of God in the Gospels, you're going to find before the Lord Jesus was ever born in this world. Did you know where there were a lot of people came along and said, hey, I'm him, I'm him, I'm him. Hey, 
This is no new thing for people to come along and say, hey, I'm the Christ. It's been going on a long time. But John said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Said it twice. Hey, I'm glad. You know what? He's the one. When he came into this world, he was born of a virgin, the only one. Hey, there's seven, almost eight billion people on planet Earth, not one of all of us eight billion people on planet Earth today that's sucking up this air, not one of us was born of a virgin. Before the Lord Jesus ever came, not one was ever born of a virgin. Hey, the Word of God tells me in the book of Isaiah, hey, there's going to be one that's going to be born of a virgin. Hmm, can I tell you? He's the one that was born of a virgin. Can I tell you? He's the one that came in this world. He lived a sinless, spotless life. The God-man, Emmanuel, God with us. He's the only one that could live a sinless, spotless life, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He's the only one. May I tell you, he's the one living that sinless, spotless life, deserved, did not deserve to die. May I even go along and go a little farther than that and say he couldn't die? But he's the one that went to an old rugged cross, not for his sins, but for our sins. He was the one that was nailed to that cross. He's the one that, listen to me, laid down his life on the cross. Everybody else that has died on planet Earth, all of us, 8 billion people on planet Earth today, if the Lord doesn't come back first, uh, all of us, 8 billion people, we're going to die, and there is not one thing that we can do about it. We are going to die. But may I tell you, he's the one that came into this world and he laid down his life, did not have to die. Matter of fact, they could not kill him, but he gave his life on the cross of Calvary. I like this part. They put him in a, listen, there's a borrowed tomb. Hey, you and I, we got our, our grave plots. I got two. Our church has a graveyard. I can be buried there. Beatty Cemetery up here in Cleveland. That's my, uh, my wife's uh, family cemetery. Hey, free grave plot. Hey, he's the only one who didn't have to have a grave plot. Hey, he got a borrowed one. <sighs> borrowed. He was only going to use it for a little while, you know. They put him in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he came out of that tomb. The only one, by the way. You can go around the world, and wherever they put them, that's where they are, unless mom and daddy or somebody moved them. That's where they are, but not him. He got up out of that grave. Only one. Can I tell you, when he came out of that grave, can I tell you today, he's alive. He's alive forevermore. And he's, hey, he's not just sitting around somewhere twiddling his thumbs. Can I tell you what he's doing? He's active. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. Can I tell you what he's doing? He's making intercession. I'm glad he's the one seated at the right hand of God. And I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who you are. He's seated. He's pleading for you on your behalf. And I'm glad the day that you got saved, if you're saved, the day you got saved, I'm glad you're saved today because he was the one pleading on your behalf, making intercession for you as our lawyer, as our advocate. Hey, he's the only one that could. May I just go ahead and say this? Not only was he the one that could, he's the only one that would. None of the rest would. Hey, hey, he started out just like, hey man, there's a lot of them out there. But with examination, we found out, you know what? Amongst all of them, there's only, there's only one. May I just go ahead and say it's not the Baptist. Hey, it's not the Methodist. They're Catholic. You name it. It's not, hey, he's the lamb. He's the one that shed his precious blood. He's the one that gave it all for me and for you. He's the one that was put in the borrowed tomb. He's the one that rose again. He's the one making intercession. He's the one. He's the one. And so there's a lamb. But it's not all. It's not all. Because there's a lot of folks say, hey, I know who he is. I know Jesus is the only one. He's got to be the only one. He's the only one that fills all the qualifications. May I just go ahead and tell you this? That's not enough. Let me give you my last word, and that's the word identification. Because when they went out there and they, they, they looked at all them lambs, and hey, they found the, the lamb. This is it. This is what God says i got to have. If I'm going to escape judgment, this is the one. And they say, hey, there he is. And then turn around and walk off and go home. 
empty-handed. Can I tell you what, what's going to happen the next, that night? When that death angel came through, they were, they, hey, their household was going to face death. Because it's not enough to say, hey, I know Jesus is the one. I know he's the one. I know the, he's the one God sent. I know that he's the one that he's the Savior of the world. Not enough. Because the Bible says the devils believe and tremble. It's not enough. Got to be more to it than just that. Oh, uh, can I tell you, just give you, I got, I got two thoughts here. We're not talking about identification. Look, look what he says in verse number five. He says, your lamb. Because it's not enough for him just to be the lamb. He's got to be my lamb. That's what the world's got to have. They got religion. They may have heard a name, but they don't know the truth. They've never heard the gospel. And they've got to know so that he can become their lamb. He said, your lamb shall be. So you know what they had to do, number one? They had to claim the lamb. When they found the lamb, they examined that lamb, they knew he was the right one. Y'all mind me coming down here where y'all are. Y'all are just, I feel more at home down here. I got carpet in my house. This is where the carpet is. I don't have hardwood like that up there. Hey, you had to claim the lamb. You know what they had to do? So the first thing they had to do, they had to go lay hold of that lamb. Man, they had to grab that lamb. That's their lamb. They took that lamb and embraced that lamb. Sunday morning, August the 1st, 1971, I was 18, almost 19 years old. I'd been under conviction for a year. Man, I wanted to be saved so bad. I thought you had to be in church to get saved, so I went to church. They gave the invitation. The preacher preached too long like I'm doing this morning. They gave the invitation about 20 after 12. And I walked forward. Can I tell you what I did that morning at that old-fashioned altar? I embraced him. Because there's more to it than that. Because when you claim him, you're laying hold of him. But you know, it wasn't enough just to lay hold on. They couldn't just stay out there in that field hanging on to that lamb. They had to take that lamb home with them. Whew. Can I tell you what Dean Hamby did when I went home? I took him with me. I came home with I went to church without him and I went home with him. I was laying claim. I was being identified with him. When I got home, you know what I started? My family wasn't in church. Cleveland, Tennessee, Bible Belt. My family wasn't in church. And my, my brothers were saved. My mom and dad had, were, had been saved, but we're out of church. Man, we were out of church. And uh, uh, my brothers, none of us were saved. I went home and started witnessing to my family. Amen. Well, I took him home with me. I laid, home, I laid claim to him. I identified. I laid hold of him. I took him, I took him home with me. I identified. I laid claim to him. But that's still not enough. Because you can take him home, make, it, make him your pet. You know, a lot of people, they have Jesus as a pet. That's not enough. They had to kill it. And the Word of God tells me in verse number 7, they were to take that blood and they were to put it, dip hyssop in the blood. That's a plant. And they would take it and strike it across the doorpost and the, uh, the, the, the upper lintel, the two side posts. So it's not enough for you just to claim your lamb. Can I tell you what's got to happen? The lamb's got to claim you. Amen. Yeah, how he does that is by the blood. Can I tell you three things about that blood? Number one, when you are saved, when a person is saved, when we preach the gospel around the world, and I've seen it happen, and I've seen it happen all around the world. Can I tell you what happens? That blood is evident. They didn't put it on the inside. They put it on the outside. Oh, let me tell you, when you get saved, it is going to be evident. My oldest brother, Doug, I was witness that he said, don't you ever talk to me about this stuff anymore. I want to hear it. About a month later, I wrote him my testimony. I put it on his, I wrote it out on notebook paper. I put it under his pillow. Boy, I wept over that thing as I wrote it out. 
I didn't say a word. He didn't say a word. We were still all living at home. About a month later, my brother Doug comes home on Sunday night. I thought he was getting, he, he come across the, across the kitchen floor right where I was. And I thought he was getting ready to hit me in the mouth. He's my older brother. He could have done it. And he grabbed me, began to weep. He said, I know what you're talking about now. Hey, the blood will be evident. If you look over verse number 13, he said, the blood, the blood, verse 13, shall be a token upon the houses wherein you are. A token. I love this word token. You know what that means? It means evidence. It's not just going to be evident. It's going to be evidence. I did not get religion. I got salvation. And his blood is evidence. It's a token that I have been, I have been spared. I have escaped the wrath and judgment of Almighty God because the Lamb came home to be with me and I claimed Him and He claimed me and His blood is evidence in my life that I'm a new creature. Hey, I may have mortal blood flowing through my veins, but can I tell you spiritually, I have had the blood applied. I have been dipped in that fountain filled with blood. I'm glad for that old time religion. I'm glad for the blood of the sprinkling. And by the way, might I tell you, when you go to Hebrews chapter number 12, and he gives us a glimpse of where Mount Sinai was, and then he talks about Mount Zion, may I tell you that that is no, there is no beautiful picture in the Word of God of what happens to a person when they get saved and how they go through all the, you ought to read chapter number 12 near the latter part, and all the things you go through, and and you finally come to the blood of the sprinkling, can I tell you today that that blood is just as fresh and real today as it was the day the Lord Jesus shed it and is just as powerful and real and, and has the, 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 the cleansing power today because it's fresh and real. You cannot sprinkle old dried blood. It's fresh. It's real. Let me give you a last one. Down in verse 14, the Bible says that, and this day shall be a memorial. Now I'm talking about, I did, hey, when he claims me, he claims me by that blood. I took him home with me in the blood. This day shall be a memorial. That word memorial means a record. The Lord told his disciples, he said, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you. But rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. It's evident when you get saved. It's evidence that you are saved. But may I just say this? It's everlasting. It's everlasting. There's no way the devil can get to heaven and take my name out. It's forever settled in heaven. It's written. In that, in that Lamb's book of life. And I'm going to go to heaven, not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a missionary, but not because of the, I'm going to go to heaven because one day He became my Lamb. This story is what the entire world must hear or they will perish without hope.